Alicia, I am the kids and creative arts pastor here at Radiant Life. Our lead pastor is on vacation this morning, so you get to listen to me talk for the next 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, hopefully you can hear me. I've had some difficulties with my mic this morning, and I've decided that it's because I have longer hair and, and smaller ears than Ryan. So that's my excuse. Um, we have been in a teaching series uh, titled Dangerous Prayers. And uh, last time I was up here on stage, I brought something a little bit dangerous up here. It was just a fake tarantula. Uh, but I don't have one of those here with me this morning. However, I do have a hammer. So hi-ho, things are going to get really exciting. Uh, but I won't be using this on any of you. I promise that would be dangerous. Uh, but Ryan kicked off our teaching series last week titled Awaken 21. And it's a series focused around praying. And the first prayer that he talked about last week was search me. And we looked at King David, who, I mean, he probably was and is the most known king from the Old Testament. And we looked at Psalm 139. And within this psalm, he prayed three things. He prayed, Lord, search my heart, reveal my fears, and uncover my sins. And this morning, we're going to look at a prayer, and that prayer is break me. And what I love about this prayer is it's a response to last week's prayer. See, you can pray, Lord, search me, reveal my fears, uncover my sins, but if you don't do anything about the things that are revealed, your prayer really is pointless. And so that's what I love about Break Me, although I have a love-hate relationship with this prayer. And uh, when Pastor Ryan first asked if I would be willing to speak in this series, my first response was yes because I don't always want to have a spirit of no, but he's also my boss, and typically you want to say yes to your boss when he asks you to do something. But when I went home that night and I, I was thinking about what it was that I was actually going to be speaking on, I had an oh no moment, because I don't want to go there. I don't want to share the things that have to be searched and revealed and uncovered in my heart, and I don't want to have to share the things that I need to be broken in me that I hold higher than Jesus. But uh, the more that I wrestled with God, the more that he kept telling me, broken can be good, though. Broken can be good. And some of you might be asking, how can broken be good? Uh, and the quick answer to that is, well, I guess you don't really know until you're broken. And then I could sit right there because that's a lot safer than standing up here. But we're in a series of dangerous prayers. So we're going to go there this morning. Now, when I was a kid, I... I was a dabbler. I never had this one specific thing that I wanted to do when I grew up. I didn't know, like, hey, this is who I want to be when I get older. So I dabbled in a lot of things. And I went through a phase where I wanted to be a race car driver. And we had this really old, rusted um, Walton truck out in the, I mean, literally you go over the river and through the woods to get to it. And I used to go out there and climb in that at 9 and 10 years old and pretend that I was driving the fastest that anybody has ever driven before in their life. And then we also had this old yellow punch buggy in our hay barn. And I used to climb through the hay and I'd sit in that punch buggy and I won every single race. And then there were some uh, seasons where my brothers and sister and I went through similar um, who we wanted to be when we grew up together. And so we went through a phase where we wanted to be Ghostbusters. So we had taken old grain sacks and sticks and we made our own backpacks. And we were the best Ghostbusters that you have ever seen. And if you were going to call anyone, you were going to call us. We were really good. 
And then sometimes I went through phases that my other siblings were like, no, we're not going to try that. Uh, I remember one phase in particular, I wanted to be a, one of those gymnastic people. I don't know what, what the title is that they are. Um, but I wanted to be able to do all those really cool flips and, you know. And so I would, I would climb into the trees and I would try to balance on the, the limbs. And then I would uh, climb up on our swing sets and I would try to balance and flip over that. And I probably looked like an idiot, but I thought I was the coolest person ever because I was going to be one of those gymnastic people. And I remember one day, my sister Franny and I were um, told to go clean the bathrooms. And we had a boys' bathroom and a girls' bathroom, and I have seven brothers. And so that boys' bathroom got a little bit gross sometimes. And uh, we were in the bathroom, and my sister being older than me, only by 11 months, uh, but she was older than me, so she decided who was going to clean what in the bathroom. And she said, hey, I've got the sink and the floor, you do the toilet and the tub which personally I did not think was fair and I might still be a little bit bitter about. But I was cleaning the toilet, I got the toilet done, and then I went on to clean the tub. And I'm standing on the, the tub, mind you, I'm 10, 10 years old, and I'm scrubbing and I, I start to look up and I'm looking at the shower rod and I start to think, I bet I can flip over that thing. And uh, Franny's looking at me and she's like, Patty, I don't think that's a good idea. Well, I'm already bitter at her because she made me clean the toilet, so I don't really care what she thinks. So I stand on the tip of the tub, and I pull, and you can only imagine what happened next. I landed in the tub with the rod on top of me. And uh, nothing was broken, thankfully. I've never broken a bone in my life. Let me knock on some wood. Uh, and at this point, my sister Franny is just dying of laughter because she thinks this is the funniest thing ever, which I didn't because I could have died, and she's laughing at me. So I decided in that moment, I'm going to tell mom and dad that Franny is the one who broke the rod. So I did. And uh, that day I broke not only the shower rod, but I broke a wooden spoon on the backside. And I, I tell you that story because things in life get broken, whether on purpose or whether on accident. But it's what you do with the broken things that matter, that transform, and that awaken. It's what you do with the broken things that matter and transform and awaken. Which leads me to the story that I want to tell you about this morning. Uh, you can find it in Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 7, and John 12. Now, if you're not familiar with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are what we call the Gospels. And they were written by followers of Jesus. And you might know that when you're, when you're reading through these books, that a lot of their stories are similar. That's because they walked a lot of life with Jesus together. Uh, but just keep in mind that each of these accounts, though they're the same story, each of the disciples wrote with a little bit of a different feel to it. Um, and, and I want you to be encouraged when you read that not to see that as contradiction as, well, Matthew wrote this and Mark wrote that, but Luke didn't write that. Luke wrote this. But think about it. When, if I were to write about an experience that's happening up here on stage, the way that I write about it and the way that Jenny writes about it is going to be different because our life experiences are different. And the way that I write about something that's happening up here is going to be different than the way that Rasika writes about something over there because our perspective is different. I'm closer to it than she is. So keep that in mind when you're reading through the Gospels. We're going to look at Mark 14's account this morning. I will allude to Matthew and Luke throughout it. But I love the way that Mark unfolds this story and how we can look at what the prayer breaking is like. So Mark 14... He starts in verses 1 through 2, and I don't have this up on the screen. 
he starts with telling us something that's really important to the story. He says in verse 1 and 2, just want to let you know that the chief priests and the teachers are scheming to arrest Jesus. That's what's happening in the first two verses. And if you know anything about what happens to Jesus, his story, you know that people are scheming this because they don't like the way that he teaches. They didn't like the way that he lived. They didn't like the way that he loved because it was so different than what they were used to or what they were expecting. So Mark tells us the chief priests and the teachers are scheming to arrest Jesus. And then we pick up in verse 3. It says, while he was in Bethany reclining at the home at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She what? Broke the jar and she poured the perfume on his head. So you have this woman and she comes in with a jar and she breaks the jar and she pours this perfume over Jesus' head. Now all those other people that were there at the dinner start to get really annoyed and irritated. And they start to say to her, rebuking her, they said, don't you know that you could have taken that jar and you could have sold that for a whole year's worth of wages? And then you could have given that money to the poor. What is wrong with you? Now for us, when we read this story, knowing the end, it can be easy for us to judge those who rebuked her. But imagine that you were Simon. Imagine that you had the most loved and, and hated man in the world, and he was in your town, and not only in your town, but he was in your house, and you had prepared a meal for him. Now, if that was me, I would have had questions for him. I would have had an agenda to how I wanted the evening to look. Because normally when you invite somebody over to dinner, you have an agenda, don't you? Even if that agenda is just, hey, I want to get to know you more. And I think that Simon had an agenda. He must have had one. And this woman comes in and she interrupts everything. And not only does she interrupt everything with breaking a jar, she pours perfume on your guest's head. I mean, if that was me, if I had a dinner party and I invited all these people and this, this guest comes in and she's not invited and she starts to pour something on my guest's head, I would be mortified. I'd be irritated, yes, because she interrupted everything, but I would be mortified. We continue in the story. And Jesus responds to those who are irritated by her presence and her actions. And he says to them, leave her alone. Do you not see that she has done a good and beautiful thing? You will always have the poor, but you will not always have me. It was like in that moment Jesus was saying to them, do as she did do as she did. The poor you will always have, but you will not always have me. I have to believe that Jesus, again, is telling them, I'm going to die. He knows it. He knows what the chief priests and the teachers are up to that Mark tells us about in verses 1 and 2. And he knows this. Mark writes this. And then, and then we find after Jesus tells them, do as she did, we find that Judas, one of Jesus' followers leaves the dinner. Or maybe he doesn't leave the dinner. Maybe he waits until after the dinner is over. But he leaves and he meets up with the chief priests and the teachers and he starts to scheme with them. And they offered him money in return. Get this. 
Matthew's account of this story writes that the disciples were there. So we know that Jesus, Judas was there. We know that he saw what happened. We know that he saw her break the jar. Or maybe he didn't. Maybe he was so wrapped up in his own future plans that he missed the now moment of what was happening there. And how often do we do that? How often are we so wrapped up in our own plans that we miss the now moment? Judas missed the now moment. And in that moment, he chose wages over worship. He chose to hold wages higher than this worship that he just saw take place. And there are two questions I want to ask you this morning, and the first is this. What are you holding higher than Jesus? What is it that you leave him for? In a sense, what is the question mark in your life? What are you holding higher than Jesus? Now, continuing in the story, we find out that Jesus knows about the betrayal. He knows what Judas is up to. In fact, he tells the disciples, he says, one of you are going to betray me. I find this fascinating. Because then each of the disciples ask him, is it me? Am I the one? Almost as if there's a part in each of them that they don't trust. Almost as if that search me prayer would be a hard one for them to pray. Search my heart, reveal my fears, uncover my sins. Jesus knows. Now we started the story with Jesus reclining with Simon the leper. And I love this part of the story too. Because if you had leprosy, you typically had to be alone. You were a loner, you were an outcast. And when people approached you, you had to shout out that you were unclean. Now we don't know much about Simon the leper, but we do know that that is still his identity and that Jesus was dining with him. And then we find ourselves seeing that Jesus is reclining with the 12 disciples, one of which is Judas, the betrayer. Catch this. It doesn't matter your title. Whether you're an outcast, a betrayer, broken home, broken kid, you fill in the blank. There is always room for you to rest at the table with Jesus. Always. And then we pick up Mark 14, verses 22 through 24. He says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he what? He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is what? Pour it out for many, he said to them. The woman broke and poured, and then Jesus broke and poured. The woman broke and poured. And Jesus says, do as she did. Jesus broke and poured. And he says, do as I do. Back in January, Ryan preached a message, Pastor Ryan preached a message on your one word for the year. And my one word was poor. And so I have gone back to this story multiple times since January and have been amazed by all the different things that we can be taught in it. 
And there are two things, two things that God has taught me and continues to. I'm still walking through this. I still don't have this figured out. I'm still being broken of this. But he said to me, if you're holding on to something tighter than you are to Jesus, you are focused on your own plan and not mine. If you are holding on to something higher than you are to Jesus, you, you miss it because you're so focused on your own plan and not mine. And the second thing that he's teaching me, and I have this up here for you, is that in order for something to be made new, something about the old has to break. Think about it. You don't bring your car to an auto shop if, it, if it's not broken. And you don't go to the doctor's office to get your leg fixed if it's not broken. And if you do, I think there's something else wrong with you. In order for something to be made new, something about the old has to break. And as I've processed through this, um, it's been a couple of weeks of just really wrestling because I know that I can be a selfish person sometimes. And I know that there are parts in me that I run to before I run to Jesus. I know there are moments that I act out and say things that are not of him because I want to be right. And those are things that when I pray, search me, those are the things that are revealed and uncovered. And those are the things that I really have to take to God and just say, hey God, you know me better than anyone and I need you to break me of my need to be right. And I need you to break me of my need to be seen. And I need you to break me of my need to turn to anything before I turn to you. You see, this woman who broke her jar, she was a prostitute. She was a sinner. And you read about that in Matthew and Luke. And she knew I think she really knew who Jesus was. And I think she really knew what Jesus could do in her life. And I think that's why she went to him and poured out a whole year's worth of wages. Because he mattered to her more than any money, more than any work, more than anything in her life. And I don't know about you, but that breaks me. Because I don't always do that. Now, there are two questions I said I want to ask you this morning, and I've already asked you the first one, and it's this. What are you holding higher than Jesus? What is it in your life that you're holding higher than him? And the second question is this. Do you trust God enough to pray, break me? Do you trust God enough to pray, break me? There are two things in this story that I haven't mentioned yet. Um, this is an alabaster jar for anybody that's wondering what that looks like. Um, and in preparing for this message and, and reading about this broken jar, I don't think that she smashed the jar. I don't think she smashed it like the clay pots. Because if she had, she wouldn't have been able to pour anything out. The type of breaking that most scholars say happened here is that she breaks the seal of the jar. She breaks the seal and then she pours everything out. The second part of the story is the nard. It says that she pours pure nard over his head. 
And I have a sample of nard up here, or spike nard if you're an oil user. Um, and if you want to smell this after service, feel free to come up and smell it. It smells amazing. I mean, I would want somebody to dump this on my head. It's wonderful. Um, but the, the nard that she poured, it says it was pure nard. And in the Greek, it means it, it was trustworthy and genuine. It was the real deal. She didn't pour out any faith. She poured it all out. So my question is, do you trust God enough to pray, break me? Because I promise you, he will break you. But he will also remake you. You see, the woman walked before Jesus as a sinner and a prostitute. And when she left his presence, she walked out a peace walker in Jesus' name. Are you willing to pray, break me? so that you can walk fully in the presence of him. Because if, if you don't, it's going to hold you back and you're going to fall asleep. And we're in a series about being awakened. So our prayer for you is that you would be willing to pray, search me. Uncover and reveal those things, but then break me. Break me of those things so I can be made fully alive in you. Do you trust God enough to pray break me? I hope you do because he's the only one who can remake you. He's the only one. Father, I, I pray this morning that you would help us to open ourselves up to who you are and who we can be in you. I pray that you would give us enough hope and trust to know that you are good and that broken can be good. And that you can take us despite where we've been, despite where we are, and that you can always make room for us at your table. Thank you for loving us in a way that nobody else ever has or ever could. And break us. Break us so we come to know you fully and that we are awakened in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.